Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, we're taking a look at two assets that are enjoying a bit of a moment after years of being shunned by investors. Firstly, there's money market funds. These tortoises of the investing world are suddenly receiving hair-like levels of interest. And then we'll visit Japan, where decades of deflation and stumbling recoveries are at last being reversed. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us, or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. For most of the time, money market funds are only of passing interest to investors, traditionally used as a short-term home for cash while other more exciting plans are being prepared. Money market funds have enjoyed something of an image makeover this year, with investors turning to them ahead of higher octane alternatives. Why is that? And do they still make sense now? To help answer that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, now, as well as money market funds, we are going to talk about Japanese shares today as well, which is another asset that has found itself back in favour somewhat just recently. Um, but let's start with money market funds. Not normally the most exciting thing in the investing universe, are they? But um, why have they suddenly come back into fashion? Well, probably, I mean, first of all, it probably makes sense to, to explain exactly what a money market market fund is. I mean, essentially, uh, it's a mutual fund. Uh, it invests in a collection of essentially very high quality, um, very low risk um, and quite short term uh, investments. And that's part of the and that's part of the, the, the low risk because a lot of the risk involved in in holding uh, investments, especially fixed income uh, investments yes. like bonds, is that the longer uh, they have to maturity, the greater the risks um, of not being repaid or inflation biting into the, the value of your money. So low risk, high quality, uh, short term. Um, and essentially what they are trying to do is to provide an income which is slightly higher than you would get on a deposit account. So slightly higher income, but still at very low risk. Yeah, so it's um, comparable, different from, but comparable to uh, cash savings by another means in, the, in a fund form, I suppose you could say. And as you say there, those, those instruments it's investing in um, often fixed income like a bond, maybe a corporate bond or a government bond, but very short duration, as you say, and that reduces the chance the inflation or interest rate expectations can suddenly move and change the price. So you, there's a high de- degree of surety, isn't there, about the return? Yeah, so the maturity of these uh, instruments might only be three months or so. So there's there's really no, no risk that movements in interest rates are going to change the value of those uh, investments very much, uh, if at all. And also because they're such high quality, generally issued by governments or by very high quality uh, corporates, uh, then there's very little risk that you won't be repaid. And of course, we know what's happened with interest rates. We know what has happened with cash savings rates as well. They've gone up and presumably that's at least part of the story of why people have flooded to them in this period, right? Because... Absolutely. Yeah, because really, for the first time in very many years, you can actually get a half-decent return on a very low-risk investment, on, a, on essentially a cash investment. So if you're able to get uh, 3 or even 4% uh, on something which, you know, there isn't, there isn't a guarantee. It's not like a cash deposit account where you yes. know you'll get your money back. Um, but it is... It's, it's extremely rare for you not to get your money back with a with a money market fund uh, investment. Yeah. So if effectively, it's as it's as safe as a as a cash deposit. 
Um, uh, and yeah, you can get a decent income from that. So that is one of the reasons why they've become more attractive this year. And it might occur to some people, or, or some might ask the question, well, why not just put your money into into cash savings? Because as you've said here, uh, you, the return you get isn't certain. And crucially, you can't see what that return is going to be. With a cash savings account, you have a promise, don't you, of 4%, 5%, whatever it's going to be. Uh, there is no such... Um, targeted stated return on a money market fund is there um you just have to sort of wait and see even if you have some sort of confidence about it yes i mean i i i think you you can you can kind of estimate what they're going to be from the prevailing level of of interest rates because they will be uh the return that you get from the money market fund will be closely linked to the prevailing level uh, of interest rates but as you say there's no guarantee and and you know let's get into uh, you know why people would would use them ahead of of cash savings then because um, well there's well, there's many ways uh, in which they might be attractive I mean clearly if you have lots of money inside a pension for example you can't just take all that money out and go and put it in a cash savings account um, and even if you could there might be limitations on the levels of protection that that cash savings would enjoy. Um, tax treatment, all these things. Having it as a fund like this, uh, irrespective of what the return is, is more practical, isn't it, in lots of ways? Yeah, so there's the flexibility argument that you've got to, you've got your investments held within a, within a pension or with an ISA sitting on a, on a platform. Because these are mutual funds, you're essentially moving from one mutual fund to another. You're not yeah. removing your money, taking it off the platform, putting it into cash. Uh, so... Uh, you know, one type of investor f- for whom uh, a money market fund makes sense is someone who, for whatever reason, just wants to come out of the market temporarily. Yeah. Um, maybe they've got some money and they're, they're sitting waiting to see, well, you know, I- I'm not quite sure where I want to invest this money. But I want to get it onto the platform, earning a little bit of interest while I'm waiting. Mm. Uh, so that flexibility and that ease of movement is, is, is one um, aspect to it. I mean, one of the other drivers of the uh, the increase in interest in um, money market funds this year, of course, was this the, the, the so-called banking crisis uh, in March, yeah. when people became a little bit alarmed about, and this is more so in the in the states actually than it than it was here, but people with money on deposit became alarmed about whether they would actually ha- have protection for for their uh, money because deposits on both sides of the Atlantic are are protected um, and. It was and it was not clear that that was the case, and I think so. For many people, they chose to take money off deposit and to put it in money market funds because although there was no guarantee, it actually felt like a slightly safer place than having your money on deposit. Yeah, that's and that's a consideration, as you say. There's there's rules around deposit protections on both sides of the Atlantic. In the UK, it's eighty five thousand pounds that you yeah. have some protection uh, up to if your institution runs into trouble. Um, and I guess there's also a tax question here as well, because, you know, when you look at cash savings rates, I mean, by the way, I looked this morning, you can get 5.3, 5.4 on, I think, tying your money up for a year in cash savings. Mm-hmm. That's really, really, really good. I mean, I, we'll have to see what returns money market funds come up with, but I think they might struggle to hit that sort of mm-hmm. level. Um, but the problem is that's an account that's held outside of ISAs, so your gains are not tax-free. We all have a certain amount of interest that we're allowed to earn 
uh, each year. It's about, well, it's a thousand pounds for basic rate taxpayers, 500 pounds for high rate taxpayers. But after that, you're going to get taxed at income tax rates mm. on savings interest. So mm. really, you can see then why it is very practical to use a fund, which you can hold inside an ISA, of mm. course, but crucially inside a pension as well. Mm. Um, it makes potentially more sense. Absolutely, because effectively what you're doing is you're you're sheltering your savings within uh, an ISA or a SIP, uh, but you're moving into cash, but without having to remove from that from that tax shelter, because uh, a money market fund pays you interest, it will be taxed um, at your uh, prevailing uh, income tax rate, but of course within a SIP or an ISA, you don't pay that. Yeah, and, and, and um, maybe something counting against money market funds is that you will have management charges attached to this. You will have to pay, probably, to hold it on a platform. Um, charges are low, aren't they, on these funds? I mean, I was looking at some of the leading ones. Fidelity has a cash fund, which is um, charging 0.15%. So that's sort of on the, well, it's on the low uh, side for any kind of active fund, approaching almost passive levels mm. of, of cheapness. Mm. But that's still something, you know, when you're talking about low single digit returns, any kind of drag from a cost is mm. going to make a difference, isn't it? Yes, uh, I, I think it's less important because um, we're not talking about very long term investments. I think most people hold their money in money market funds for short periods of time while they're deciding uh, where, where to mm. put it. The real drag of, uh, of uh, costs is the compounded uh, effect over many years of of even a relatively low uh, yeah. cost. So I think if you're if you're paying 0.15 percent for a short period of time, even if it's a year or two, that's not really such a concern. If you were doing that for 30 years, that would be a concern. Well, well, let's just finally before we move on from this topic, Tom. Um, you know, are there or or should there? It sounds like you would disapprove if anyone was really choosing a fund like this in order to make a return. Is there not a way in which they might look at the economic landscape, look at where interest rates are, look at other uncertainties and think, well, actually, that's not a bad place to be, maybe, for, for growth purposes as well as just sort of a, a temporary... I, 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 think, I think you could look at it that way, but I think actually the experience of the last um, six months or, show, or, or, or so really under, underscores uh, the, the risk of, of, of taking that approach. I mean, there are, there are two elements, really. One is inflation. I mean, yes, yeah. you know, a, a return of four or even five percent sounds good, but with inflation running at nearly double that... Uh, rate, um, then, you know, arguably it, it's, it's less attractive than it looks at first blush. Um, and I think the second thing is to look at what's happened to stock markets um, mm -hmm. uh, recently. Now, um, uh, you know, a 5% return uh, would actually be quite disappointing when you consider that the, the, the NASDAQ is up 27% this year. You know, the Japanese stock market, which I think we're going to come on to talk about, is up, you know, by high um, teens mm -hmm. uh, percentages um, so and, and that I think is why you know when when people talk about money market funds they don't tend to talk about them as long-term investments yeah. it is a cash investment and over long periods of time uh, shares have tended to outperform cash by a significant margin. Well, that's all wise words, Tom. I would say one thing, though, which is that, um, and this isn't just a money markets funds question, it's kind of cash savings in general. If you look where rates are now, you know, as I've said, you might be able to snap up uh, an account paying 5.4%. There might be tax implications. We've mentioned all that. But at that sort of level, that might even go higher in the next month or so. Um, we expect UK rates to go higher. Um, 
you could get an, a, a cash rate approaching 6%. If you lock that in for five years, as some accounts allow you to do, I don't think inflation, I think it's going to stay higher than it historically has, but I don't think it's going to be at 5% for mm. five years. I think we'd all be in quite a lot of trouble if it was. Mm. So um, there, there probably will be a moment, you know, for the, for the kind of brave people to, to sort of jump in and take advantage of the odd monetary situation we have. Yes, uh, I think if I were following that uh, line of thinking to its logical conclusion, and I think it's a good line of thinking, is I wouldn't be investing in money market funds to do that. No. I would be investing in longer term bonds because longer term bonds have a, a greater um, exposure uh, to movements in interest rates. And if you feel that interest rates are uh, historically high and and maybe will come down in future then i think absolutely lock in that five percent return mm -hmm. that you, that you can get on a on a longer term bond and then hope that as interest rates come down you'd also get some capital gain yeah. as well so i think i think thinking about interest rates and thinking about the way they're going is 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 absolutely one of the key things that investors should be doing at the moment uh, but I don't think it takes you necessarily to money market funds I think it might take you to other parts of the fixed income market wise words indeed Tom okay well let's move on from that to our second uh, topic of discussion today which is um, Japan Tom because this is yet another asset which has come back onto investors radar this year what has been happening in Japan well, a lot's been happening in Japan. I mean, first of all, uh, Japan has come out of COVID um, um, uh, pretty quickly. Um, and um, uh, uh, there have also been some other developments uh, on the geopolitical front uh, that, have, that have served to make Japan look quite interesting compared to some other countries, particularly in the, in the Asian region. There have been developments on the inflation front uh, in, in Japan. And all of that together, rising yen uh, as well, all of that together has generated, has led to some pretty strong returns for the Japanese uh, stock market. It's been one of the better performing uh, stock markets both last year and, in, and into this year. And both overseas investors, but also increasingly domestic investors, are starting to get interested in, in the Japanese stock market. And uh, as you said, there's loads of ways into this this story about Japan but um, uh, you talk about the wider Ch uh, Asian region that really you could talk about uh, China specifically here um, there's the attractiveness of Japan but that's relative to the attractiveness of China uh, there has been a frosting of relationships economic relationships between China and the rest of the world Japan maybe stands to benefit Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, Japan is a, is a country which obviously, because of its geographical location, has an exposure to uh, to the emerging market story in China, but also elsewhere uh, in Asia. Um, but it doesn't come with the same um, geopolitical uh, tensions. As you say, there has been a, a cooling in relations between, in particular, uh, China and the US. That's clearly not the case um, with Japan. So in a way, uh, one of the one of the key advantages uh, of Japan is simply that it's not China. Yeah, but it's still exposed, as you say, to the growth of China in, in lots of ways. It's a huge beneficiary of what's going on in China. I mean, I mean you know, uh, Chinese tourists are a major source of revenue for mm. um, uh, Japan. Obviously, it fell away to zero during during COVID. That's coming back um, very quickly. But not just that. I mean, Japan uh, sells 
huge amounts of um, machinery, uh, um, automation products, robots, uh, all, all sorts of things to uh, China. China is this massive market on Japan's doorstep. And whenever we speak about Japan in terms of investments, um, we end up talking about the culture of or the shareholder culture in Japan and how often it has been quite hostile to shareholders, certainly by the standards of um, Western markets. Uh, we're told that is changing. How, would, how is it changing and how might that be a benefit to shareholders? I think um, I think. Japan uh, realizes the the authorities in Japan, uh, whether that's the government or whether it's the the, the Tokyo Stock Exchange, n- realizes that 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 it needs change. It needs a strong economy. Uh, it needs to drive inflation. It needs to get rid of years of, of deflation. And one of the key ways to do that is to create a strong. Uh, stock market. And uh, I think everyone realizes that uh, Japan, it's not that it's been hostile to investors, it's been indifferent mm. to, to investors. It's treated its uh, the owners of its business, its shareholders, almost as uh, second-class um, citizens. And I think there is a real... Uh, impulse in in japan to create better returns better returns on investment um uh from from its companies and one of the ways it's doing that is to uh is to increase dividend payments to increase share buybacks really you know in short to make the japanese stock market a bit more like western stock markets and really we've probably seen you know some people who are close to it say we've seen more progress on that front in the last couple of years than we had in the previous uh, 30 years and i think that's one of the things that's really sparking a lot of interest in the japanese market from foreign investors in particular and, and from an economic point of view um is, are we at a point where japanese the japan has, has sort of rid itself of a lot of the uh, the the things weighing it down for a long time. It was in this deflationary spiral for a long, long time after a, a, a stupendous asset price bubble in the 80s, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the signs that that has passed or is passing? Well, one of the, one of the key signs is that actually we're beginning to see moderate levels of inflation in Japan, which is good because deflation is an absolute killer for an economy. Because if people think that... Um, you know, there's no point in buying anything because in a year's time it's going to be cheaper, which mm. frankly has been the case in Japan for the last 30 years or so. Uh, I mean, I lived there 30 years ago, and uh, when I when I visited recently, things were the same price as they were 30 years ago mm. when I lived there, and, and that's really sapping for the for the health and the robustness of, of an economy. So uh, Japan's a bit of in a bit of a sweet spot at the moment. Um, it's got rid of that deflation, which was holding the economy back. It hasn't got the high levels of inflation which we're struggling with Mm -hmm. um, in in the West. It's kind of in this sweet spot at the moment of sort of 3-4% inflation. And um, finally bringing it back to the investment case here, I mean you're going to have to forgive some scepticism on my part Tom because we have been here before. You and I have literally had conversations about uh, you know false dawns, new dawns in Japan. Um, Is there any reason to think it will be different this time? I think for me, um, what's different this time is that we've got a combination of, uh, of tailwinds. The Japanese market is cheap. Uh, that, that's important. Um, earnings has actually grown strongly, um, which has meant that despite the fact that the Japanese market has actually performed pretty well in the last 15 years or so since the financial crisis, um, it, 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 it's done that and that's been justified by, by um, corporate earnings. So therefore, the stock market is still much cheaper than 
for example, the US market. It's a great play on global recovery because it serves um, so many of the sort of global global industries with with its with its products. There are many great companies in Japan. They've 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 they got rid of this deflationary problem. Mm. Um, I think there are just a, a combination of events which make Japan look more interesting now than it has done for many years. Okay, well, Tom, thanks for all of that. That's uh, We've covered absolutely loads. Um, that is all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.